Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Woodman Corner, the West Bromwich Albion podcast brought to you by Baggies fans at the Birmingham Mail. Um, I'm Graham Brown, this is Joe Chapman. Hello. How are you, Graham? I'm doing alright, yeah, I'm all the better for this podcast which I've been <laughs> going on and on and on about for ages, so really excited that, um, that people will be joining us for this. We'll just start by introducing what we're going to be doing. This isn't going to be like any other Albion podcast that's out there now. This is about storytelling, this is about going out to former players, current players, staff, fans and ask them all the same question, what is your favourite story about West Bromwich Albion? You're not going to hear an awful lot about should we have got a penalty in the last game or who should we pick in the next game, that's not what really this is about, this is an Albion storytelling medium where we get people to come in and tell, tell us why they love the club, the funny stuff that's happened at the club and that kind of thing, it's going to be good isn't it? I'm really really looking forward to it, yeah, we've got some really really good guests lined up already uh, and uh, we've obviously recorded a few already and it, it sounds fantastic there's a lot of people that are really embracing it so uh, yeah let the fun begin and one of the things I wanted to say is that uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast this is our first one if you enjoy it get involved this is about fans this is about storytelling so you can find us on Twitter on uh, email and so on and get in touch equally if you think it's rubbish come and help us make it better this is our album podcast for better or for worse um, what we're going to be doing today is our first, uh, our first ever guest is going to be uh, Andy Johnson, uh, one of my favourite players as a, um, as a younger man and a star of our promotion team and our great escape team. He's got some amazing stories to tell about his um, time in the Albion dressing room as well as really heartening chat about how much Albion matters to him. After that, we're going to be looking back to uh, the last game. We're not going to do this that often, but at Huddersfield, as it happened, um, our Joe here was the, here and had some fairly strident things to say about it. I think that's fair to say. I was I was in the away end. I was in the away end, and uh, it was yeah. There were a lot of strong opinions from a lot of Albion fans as well. Uh, not you know, it wasn't just a case of uh, of myself. It was it was a it was a. I think it was. A consensus for the first time, really. I, I think you could say that it was a general feeling. There were, it's been a, it's been a fan base that's been long divided, I think, and yet that was the first time I've seen the majority of Albion fans kind of come together with one strong opinion. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly not a happy ship at the moment. But anyway, first of all, we're gonna uh, gonna be talking to Andy Johnson. So here is his uh, his answer to our question: What is your favourite story about West Bromwich Albion? Put some context. Uh, we stood there in his garden next to his ducks and I would particularly urge you to listen out to when he uh, orders his ducks to be quiet. You'll notice they really listen. So, so one of the things that we, we, we hope to do with this podcast is try and give people kind of an insight into to, uh, to the, the club, often as was, because I don't think players now could necessarily talk kind of freely about it. But the question what we plan to ask everyone is... Um, What's your favourite story related to West Bromwich Albion? Can you think of a time there, something, fun, <laughs> something that fondly happened? 
millions. I mean, absolutely millions of them. Um, <laughs> I can sense you're trying to work out the ones you're allowed to say. I mean, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to do, yeah, without, without trying to edit it. I mean... It, one of the ones Jonathan Greening when he signed was like a, Jono's one of my closest mates and he's as mad as a box of frogs you know <laughs> I love him to bits and we were in Portugal on a pre-season and uh, we were like God it's hot in it and he said yeah it was a different sun in it <laughs> and he thought there was two sons you know and, and you know there were, we had like these houses and there was four in a house and um, girls shut up and uh there was me and Jono sharing a room and there was Paul Robinson and all sharing a room and we were playing um uh, Scrabble, and John, honestly, Jono is just—he yeah, ain't thick. He's just stupid and <laughs> says stupid things. So I've got one three-letter word: fog. F-U-G. Thug. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I had to leave the room. And me and Jono and Robbo, you know, absolutely screaming, screaming. And <clears throat> we had the <clears throat> a writers' dinners award, and uh, Mago asked me. And, Derek McInnes to go along so we were sat on different tables and stuff like that anyway we come back in the next day and uh, <clears throat> Mago hey, alright lads meeting in the dressing room he says oh Derek John, have a good night last night yeah not too bad gaffer oh really did you like that sort of thing and uh, so you might have to edit that <laughs> um, he said it's, I don't know, it was the MD of Coca-Cola who was sponsoring the league or something at the time. We had a table photograph and I'm sat there with my V's up and stuff like that. <laughs> I ruined the picture and he wasn't very happy, but I, mean, I sat next to Bully that night. We had, a, we had a great night. I mean, there's the one where I had to show me bum in uh, Rackham. Well, the lad showed his bum in Rackham's window if I'd scored a goal and I showed me bum on the pitch. And, uh, you know, it, it's just it, it, absolutely just crazy, crazy memories. You know, it's like when... Um, Oh, what's his bloody name now? Nookie Bear, we used to call him, because his eyes are like that. Uh, Trevor Benjamin. Yes. Um, yeah. When he signed in that, we used to... We, back then, you always played cards. I mean, I was, I was talking to Maura the other day, and the lads have all got their electrical gadgets and their headphones on. Now, he's, after a win, he said, the coach is just silent because yeah. everyone's on their gadgets. But we used to sit and play cards, and uh, Trevor, he, you know, his eyes were... He was boss-eyed, and I don't know whether he could see at all, to be honest. And uh, we, you'd play cards, and you'd tell him sort of uh, trumps were spades. And he, and he was putting clubs down because he couldn't see, you know, he knew it was black, but he didn't know what one it was. And we used to fleece him all the time, you know. <laughs> oh, Trev's on, come on, let's play cards because you take all his money off him, like, you know. Just just so many, so many great times. And all the staff at the club, you know, and uh, were just different class, you know. And, it's you know, there's still a few up there. I mean, I got quite I'm a member of the uh, WBA uh, F. PA uh, West Bromwich Owen Football Players uh, yes. Association, and I go up and do bits in the lounges uh, now and again, and uh, you know I speak to Martin uh, now and again, and started doing quite a lot of different charity uh, events and sort of um, doing a table Q and A's and things like that now, which is which is fantastic, and people say, oh, thanks ever so much. Do you want anything? To do? And you don't want anything for doing it. You know, it's it's like I said to you earlier. It's, I love sharing my experiences because that's forget about the money side of things because you know it's everyone says about the money sort of nowadays but the money was great when we were playing compared to what the man in the street was earning the money was great when Sir Bobby Charlton and, and, and George Best were playing compared to you know it, it, unfortunately for them guys they never had the, the infrastructure of like the, the PFA or guidance to how to look after it whereas we did and these lads don't have to you know they can, they can do what they like um 
But the best thing that I've ever took out of it is, is just the whole thing, just such an honour and a privilege to play for every single club I was at. You know, uh, my fondest memories are at West Brom because of what we did and, and, and the rapport we had with the supporters and stuff like that. And, you know, and uh, we won the championship with Nottingham Forest and had great times there, but West Brom will always be sort of the, the, the number one sort of... Uh, achievement in, in and I think see, well, I'm glad actually that the, 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 the history of it isn't lost here because I mean, it really was a turning point you know that, that, yeah, Forest weren't as awful as we were before them they're not as good as we are after That's it right. really was a turning point for a yeah. club for a generation kind yeah. of thing yeah it was you know and, it, and if like I said that's what people say you know and you don't really appreciate it or understand it or think about it until you retire and you look back over your career and you think you know and people are saying these things and you think bloody hell you know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and it's like, yeah, we did, we did, well, we must have started something, we must have done yeah. something, you know, and, and again, a fantastic honour, you know, I love going up to the club and I love seeing the fans and chatting to them and, you know, I live in amongst them now around here, so it's nice, you know, you bump into them in the, in the street and stuff like that and we went to uh, my little girl's, my little girl's um, friend at school's birthday party and one of the mums uh, was chatting to and, uh she went in with my partner and she come back out because she, she said to my partner I'm going up the Albion it was Man City game she went bloody hell I didn't know you were Andy Johnson I went yeah well I have put a couple of pounds on I said but and my hair's a bit short I said bloody hell oh, can we have a picture oh, I wish my dad was here and that's fantastic you know even sort of uh, what is it 15 years later you, you, you still kind of remembered oh well what a bloke yeah it was, uh, it, that was amazing we uh I rang him up and um, said, you know, we want him to help the podcast. He said, yeah, great, do you want to come over now? Uh, I was at his house half an hour after it started, really a really good blow. What, what do you think? I thought it was brilliant. It was a great interview. He's, he's very, very easy going, isn't he? He's, uh, he's part of a generation of players, perhaps the last generation of players to really kind of, you know, just embrace interviews. And I suppose, in fairness to the current crop, you know, in 10 years' time, they may also be quite open to it. But for now, it's it's kind of, it's all very... You know, reserve media trained and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, we talked about that a lot. He, um, he's someone who uh, you know, he's got a lot of real affinity with the club, and um, and you know, he's aware that he, he was probably at the end of an era where people didn't know him quite so much now. Although he had no complaints about pay whatsoever, but that um, he was in an he's era. Still involved, where he's still involved at the club, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. But 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 he, he was just really f- glad that he was able to talk and engage with the fans. Incidentally, um, we, this is now an open invitation to Jonathan Greening. Uh, Trevor Benjamin, who, whoever else wants to come on our podcast and have their say back at what uh, at what they think about Andy Johnson. Anyway, here is the end of the uh, of that interview, the, the the remainder of it, in which he talks about his love for the club, uh, his approach to games, and so on. Uh, it was really, really uh, fascinating. So, have you enjoyed it? We're just talking a bit about uh, about what you're doing now. Um, yeah, why why not stay in football? Why, what, what made you I, um, uh, make a big break? When I come to the end of my career. Uh, I ended up at Kings Lynn, which was a, a great opportunity for me to get go into the coaching management side of things. Mm-hmm. So I uh, went there as a player. Uh, my old youth team manager, where it all started, Norwich Keith Webb, um, yes. got me up there. Uh, unfortunately, Webb got sacked, as managers generally do. I then got asked to uh, take over with um, Carl Eggs, old West Brom. Yeah, yeah. Egg, Eggo, he was the manager, and I was the assistant manager. Although 
if you know where I go, I did most of the bloody work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was also still playing. But it was a great way to get into management because, you know, there's so many great managers out there without jobs. Yeah. It, it's really difficult unless you want to go through the academy way, which, you know, uh, one of my great friends, Dave, uh, Darren Moore, has done that. Yeah. And he's done great. Um, that wasn't for me. I, I, I didn't want to start again at the bottom. And I've got my own kids. I don't, you know, and, and nowadays, listening, to, we played a few charity games, listening to a few of the lads that are doing it that way, it's... They find it very, very difficult because football's changed so much and it's so new. And you know, you, you can't. You've got to watch what you say, basically. And yeah. I've never been very good at that. As, uh, Do you know? <laughs> I was thinking about this on the drive because I think, like, I mean, you you were obviously you know, part of the Premier League era, and, and I, I professionals professor, you were clearly very fit and etc. Cetera, et cetera. But I still got the impression that you lived lived a life that you 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 were, you, you were capable of being a non-footballer of answering a question and going out when you go out and so on yeah football's really changed and you know I, I don't I'm not going to say I, I'm, I don't want to be a foot, wouldn't want to be a footballer now um, because that's just outrageous to say that you'd want to be a footballer at any time yeah. you know it's still the most amazing uh, profession I wouldn't call it job because it's not a job <laughs> you know. um, but then I, I do feel for those lads I mean we were it's famous enough to when you bump trolleys with somebody in Tesco's they recognised you but not so famous it, it intruded onto your sort of personal life you could still be yourself you could talk to supporters and fans and you know nowadays I think the fans think that players are a bit arrogant or ignorant even um, but they're just worried that they might say the wrong thing and that that gets blown out of proportion and so that's why they kind of stand off and distance themselves a little bit because especially with smartphones and things like that nowadays yeah. something could be so innocuous but it, it, but it could be blown you know a picture it depends how that's taken doesn't it you know or how something said you know it, text if you text somebody that can be misconstrued as yeah, you yeah. know is somebody having a go when really they're not because there's no tone in it um, so, so it, it's really difficult for them right now and, and well it will be forever but you know saying that there's got to be some downsides to the job. I was going to say, you know, get, 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 don't get feel paid. too. I, I don't feel too bad for them, and no. uh, you know, and nor should anybody else. I mean, you know, that's the the career they've chosen, and uh, or not chosen, it chose them. You know, and uh, it, it's it's just amazing. I mean, you just got to enjoy it while it's there because you know it ain't there forever and it goes quick. Well, that kind of, I mean, they, so, so thank you for coming on to our podcast. And the whole thing about the podcast really is to talk. You, you kind of um, segue me to what we're, we're kind of all about, really. It's just about talking about what it's like to be a footballer and, and the best moments and worst moments. So, uh, can you remember that? I mean, it seems like you really appreciate the fact that you've got a life as a footballer. Can you remember any low times? Times where oh, you... Of course, yeah, there are, there are low times, you know, and, and they're not all pre-season training, you know. It's, you, you know, you can be in... Um, a, a, a huge game that, you know, and... and you know, you've lost it. Now that people might say is just well, it's only a game, but it's not. It's your, it's your lot. It's a religion, you know. And it's, it's like somebody praying and God not talking to them. And you know, that's a low. When the players lose, it's a low. I mean, a lot of times nowadays, people see players on the pitch and they think, oh, you know, they don't care. I was talking to a couple of fans the other week about local derbies aren't quite the same anymore, and you know, things like that. But they do care, and it does hurt. You know, and it's it, it, they are lows. I mean, that that year we got promoted to the Premier League for the first time. I mean, how do you think everybody at Wolverhampton felt that we gunned them down? Yeah. You know, with the, so many games left, and they were so far ahead. I mean, you know, as as much as we live on that for the rest of our lives, they they're remembered 
for that yeah. for the rest of their lives. You know, and that's a low. Scoring an own goal in a cup final and losing or making a mistake and losing, you know, it's a low in it. But is it a short term thing? I mean, that's, you know, look, you lose a game or something, but do you carry it around with would, would you constantly be carrying that around with you? Yeah, it stays with you forever, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember, you know, highs and, and lows and, and, you know, f- throughout my career, you know, definitely. And um, it's. Some of them not, are not in your control, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, the, the euphoria of getting promoted to the Premier League that, that season. Which is unbelievable, but when you twisted it round and thought of the reality of it, we should never have been there. It, it wasn't our time, you know. <laughs> yeah. it, it should never have happened. The yeah. club wasn't geared for it. Yeah. But where'd you start, you know? And now they are, and they're established. And and you know, the, nowadays when the pundits at the beginning of the season all put their favourites up, West Brom are nowhere, nowhere near even in sight of it. Yeah, you know. And that has to start somewhere. It started there, and it started there. there. Yeah. So we went up, we come down. We went up, we come down. We went up. We had the great escape. And that is built and built and built the club into, you know, uh, uh, that's not me saying that, that's what people have said over the years. I mean, Martin Swain, I, I know really well now, and, you know, a lot of people around the club, and, and that's their take on, on what happened. And, I mean, there's no know. question. I mean, I, I, I spoke Albion, started in 1987. They were nothing but terrible until, yeah, <laughs> until 2000 came around. And well, we were around. terrible. We weren't a good team, and I'd never. And, and if you, you asked, wouldn't want to play you though, would you? Oh, you wouldn't. And that's and that was what it was. That was such a unique and special time because there were no stars in our team. There were eleven. Well, not eleven. The, the subs. We, we had a squad of eighteen, twenty, and every single one of them was of the same mentality and the same breed and the same sort of culture. And we had one thing in our mind, and that was it. You know, and it wasn't pretty. But fans can forgive you for not being pretty if they see you giving everything, yeah. which. We absolutely 100% did every week, um, and we won. Yeah, we got one goal, and that was it. Yes. Shop, shop, tin hats on, dig the trenches, and soak up like a sponge, and yeah. that that was it. And that, whether right or wrong, that was where it was at. But that's what we had to do because we never had a team full of stars. You know, we had we had Jason Roberts up front, um, and Deesh or Dobes or you know something like that. It was get the ball to Jason. Just he had about five on his back. And, and just let him hold it just to give us a breather, you know? And, yeah. and that was how it was. And if it came to the back, you had uh, Lara Sigerson, Gilly, and, and Big Dave, and you ain't getting past that. That's, that's just like a block of concrete, you yeah. know? And in the midfield, you had the Dogs of War, which just snapped and bit and, you know, just did everything they could just to, you know, protect them and get the ball up there and now and again chip in with a goal. And, and that was so unique. That I don't think you'll ever see anything like that again, really. Did you? I, one of the things I always wanted to ask you, and, and, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, in your own house with your, your chickens here watching us, you've made me a nice cup of tea inside. Those ducks, look. <laughs> yeah, sorry, ducks. I'm a very city boy. <laughs> the, uh, I was thinking, you're, you're, always, you're always everywhere and always talk, talking and so on. Did you, do you approach the game trying to get some kind of a psychological one over on the players that you're playing against sometimes? No, no, not at all. It was. It, my talking was never to the player I was playing against. You know, it was never wind-up stuff. Um, I was old-school kind of player. You know, uh, going back to where there was no cameras in the tunnels, and if you said I'll see you in the uh, after the game, you saw them after the game, and that was it. Nowadays, that don't happen because mm-hmm. there's cameras everywhere. So it was never to wind them up. Um, and I always had a, a great rapport with most players I was playing with. Sometimes you get a young kid who come in and just try and never cheer up off, and they were a bit, you know, flashy and that, but. No, never, and and you know most of the lads that you know I, I still speak to now. If I went in for a tackle, it would be 100% fair. It'd be hard, 
but it'll be fair and I'd go in to win the ball. I remember a, a challenge, Darren Bullock, a lad who I used to play against, was at Huddersfield, I know Bully, he lives in Worcester now. Some of the battles I had with him, I played against uh, Steve McMahon when he was at Swindon, you know, uh, Terry Urlock when he was at Southampton and, and Mark Hughes and Paul Wince, you know, people like that. I mean, they were hard, keen. Roy Keane, you know, hard, hard players. Mm. I've got a picture up there, and I, they haven't been out for years. It's me, I was at Forest at the time, and there's Tony Adams, Mark Young. Animals. <laughs> yeah. Animals, but fair. If you were going in for a tackle with them, you went in because you knew they were coming in, but you never went in high, you never went in with studs up, you went in and you went in hard because you knew they were going to do the same. And it was fair, you know, and that's how that whole squad were. They were good, hard-working, fair, good lads. And that's why I think that that whole squad will always be remembered by the supporters and, it, and took into their hearts, like, you know. Did it change over the time you were there? Because obviously the, 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 the team got... I mean, it was always kind of a, 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 a hard-working team and stuff, but it, got, it started to get more sophisticated. You've got other, other names on. Did the, did the ethos change? Course, uh, you never try and change the ethos of anything. Um, uh, I can't remember which manager it was now, but it was a, it was a sensible one. I mean, it might have been Ron Atkinson. Um, said that you know when you go on that pitch, or it might be Mego, probably was a Mego saying it. Um, they can't stop you running and trying. You know, they can't stop that, mm-hmm. and that should be the the, the, the the fundamentals for any team. You look at the top teams. You know, all right, not last night because you know Real were terrible, but Tottenham weren't. Mm-hmm. They closed down. They closed down first and foremost. They closed down. What? Why do you think? You know that. Great little Conte, is it Chelsea? He's a, by his own admission, and he is a good player, but he ain't a naturally gifted, talented player. But he don't have to do the other side, and you've got to have that. And that's got to be what everything's built on. All, all managers, the old sort of, they always go back to basics and defending, set that up. And if you do that right, the rest of it will look after itself. And you know, and as long as you know, fans certainly now it ain't, ain't cheap, and fans pay a lot of money to go and watch the game. The least they deserve is to see that the players are trying. Yeah, you know, and and if they're not, then God help the player. You know, I, I, I give the ball away loads of times, but they never got on my back because they could see I was trying. Yeah, you know, and they'll forgive you that. They're human beings, and so are the players. You know, but uh, if you're going to be out there giving it Larry Big Licks and uh, not producing. Then you know it's uh, it, it, it's going to cause trouble. Okay, it's an interesting time that kind of makes it. And obviously, you know, you knew Gary before you came to you, you played yeah. with him. But uh, it, it seemed like a, a divisive time where it pushed everyone to their absolute limits, and some people couldn't cope with it, and some and, and some that's could. Absolutely right. And yeah. if, if that's how it looked from the outside, that's exactly how it was. <laughs> it, it was it, well when we got promoted. Um, I went home and I slept for three days. You know, we, I never went out partying because mentally and physically I was exhausted you know because it, it took that much mental strength to get up for every game two a week you know and to have that mindset of we've got to catch these we've got to get promoted we're this close all that hard work we ain't going to throw it away and that was every player there was no let's go out in town afterwards and let's do this and let's do that it was everybody went home to their own houses we all had a few days then we come back and then we had a, a, a bit of a party then you know but it, it, it was that intense and you ask any manager or player that's ever won anything, it, it, it's you've got to be concentrating 100%. Not just while you're at training, not just while you're playing a game, but when you're at home, 24 hours a day. Yeah. You've got to be doing everything right because if you're not, you don't achieve that. You know, you don't. And that's, that is just the bottom line. The stories are passed down, you know, and yeah. I love sharing. Graham Williams is 
one of the greatest up there. I mean, I, I, I know Graham really well because I was with Wells uh, and he was the assistant manager to Bobby yes, Gould. Yeah. Um, and Graham is so passionate about West Bromwich Albion Football Club, as, as most of the ex-players are. Um, and to hear him speak about it with such love is the only way you can describe it. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's... For me and, and for him, that's not what we achieved at the club. That's how the club em- embraced us and took us in. You know, it, 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 you, you can't love that table if that table, you, you know, you can love it, but if that table don't love you back, it ain't special, mm-hmm. you know. But when you've got a rapport with the supporters and the football club and some of the, you know, some of the people that have died up there, that, you know, it, it's such a tragic loss to that football club. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the special thing. And you know that I don't know if that'll ever happen again because, like we said earlier, it's difficult for the players now, and the fans don't always understand that. But I think they're kind of coming round to it. I mean, these kids are they're superstars. Yeah, you know they are, um, and they have to be so careful. And and whereas we didn't really have to be that careful. We we were we were in the Premier League, but we weren't the elite players in the Premier League anyway. Um, you know, we'd go on holiday, and if there was a West Brom fan there, he'd recognise you. But apart from that, you got left alone pretty much most of the time. You know, um, so yeah, very, very, very special time. Forgive me, because I don't, I don't absolutely remember the different managers that you'd have, you'd have worked for. Obviously, you came under Gary. There'd yeah. have been uh, there'd have been uh, Brian and after. What, what do you remember about the, the changes Brian, of managers? Yeah, and just so? just Mego and, and Brian Robson. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Mego was like we said, he, he had his way, and if you couldn't. You know, it's the classic, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. And players couldn't, you know. Um, right or wrongly, that was his style. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I, how can I criticise the bloke who that did what he did at, at the football club? I, I wouldn't. It worked with me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I could handle it. And so could most of the players. But it wasn't for everybody. And he has got his critics. He's come back again now. Yes. And I've spoke to him a, a couple of times. And I think he has gone away and reflected and perhaps... Mellowed a bit. Not mellow, just understood that it, the, the game's changed, it's evolved, and you know, it's moved on, and you, you, you have to have more than you know one way of doing it, you know. And, and different players, some players respond to a kick up the backside, other players need an arm around them, you know. And some players are quite secretive, and you might not know what problems they've got, so you have to take all these things to, in, into account. Um, so, you don't reckon the 2017 generation is getting the 2002 treatments? Uh, no. No, I mean, I, I laugh because I've been up there a few times this season and he comes out the tunnel and he rolls his sleeves up and that's the old Mego and his hands <laughs> gone. And says, I think, here we go, rocket time. And then he goes, oh, yeah, I can't, uh, you know. And I spoke to him and I said, well, how, how are you getting on? Because it, it must be, well, it, he's gone from, and, and there's different people. There's coaches that can never be a manager and there's managers that can, could never be a coach. Yeah. Um, and for Gary to have done that transition is testament to how much... He's probably reflected and looked on his time as manager to be able to come in and do a, the coaching role, you know. And and it, it, well, it, it, it's not too difficult for him, but it it's different. Yeah, you know, haven't been and, all consuming in his first. Year, yeah, and yeah. sometimes you see him go back to manager role, and then he realizes that you know Tony's the manager and he's there to support, and you know, and and he's he's the assistant manager, and you know, but. What a fantastic um, setup now, you know. And yeah. and I've been up a few times and <clears throat> played some good stuff. I mean, the last game I went up at Watford. Oh God, what a what a you know. I, I've never sat and watched football because I just don't really like watching it too much, you know. 
you strike me as the sort of person who want to get involved. You do, and it's difficult. You know, my head's going, my legs are going, and, it, and it's hard. Um, I don't know how fans do it. I'd be bold and grey. I mean, I'm a little bit grey, but I've still got a bit of air. <laughs> you know, nail biting. It's it's it killed me to to sit there and watch it. And you you know, from the seat, you can see so much. I mean, the, the best players in the world are sat in a stand, aren't they? You know, but on the pitch, things, <laughs> yes. things are different. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic. And uh, I went into the manager's room afterwards and uh, saw Gary and and, uh, and met Jerry Francis, who's you know yes. who's a, a bit of a hero of mine because of uh, supporting Bristol Rovers as well, where I grew up. All my family yes. are, are still in Bristol, so yeah. And uh, how much the club's changed? I mean, you know, it, yeah. I, I couldn't find my way around. No, you know the dress rooms and and you know all that sort of thing. And and it's fantastic that I'm still part of that now through the former players association I mean I took the girls that were only six out on the pitch they were just so excited and but to me it was like but well, I don't it's understand you it you know but you, you forget and behind the um, in the east stand uh, up the uh, corridors behind the boxes there's like pictures of you from that era sort of thing yeah. and it's like bloody hell you're ingrained in the the history of this football club yeah you know and my, my girls were going is that you I'm going yeah you know yeah, is that you with the champagne? You know, spraying it over someone's face. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and and it just brings back some great memories, some fantastic memories. Well, it's been it's been really good to share with. But if I could ask one final question, so you talked to me about uh, about Jono. Okay, who are the other people you've stayed in touch with? The people you you uh, you still mates with? Well, like I said, we, we I, I see uh, Jono, Paul Robinson. Um, his boy plays for uh, in the Blues Academy, and yeah. my best pal is boy plays there as well so I see Robbo now and again at different games when I go and watch uh, Griggs usually phones me up when he's had a few beers on a Saturday night and you 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 don't you touch me down the phone kind of you know messages <laughs> um, I see a horse quite a bit Bob all the time like I said I've got I've been doing some uh, some charity work um, I don't like calling it charity it's just going to functions and helping raise money for you know people that are a little less unfortunate than than yourselves and you know to take a few hours out of your day to you know kind of do something that you enjoy talking about great times at you know our, our special club then that's that's a pleasure um so i've seen quite a few of the lads there burge and uh, you know uh so, so yeah uh, you know keep in touch and and you know it's lovely to be sort of back involved in on a different side I think it's know. quite a nice a nice thought for Albion fans that, that those that those sorts of people yourself Bob and someone still see each other it's because uh, it, it, I'm not sure that era will ever be kind of replicated again really you know they, 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 they yeah a, a players that you can kind of associate with that stayed there for a, for a certain period it, you know it, it, the club uh, was it the 10 year anniversary of it put a, a dinner on which, which was lovely and you know it, perhaps There'll be a 20-year anniversary, you know, and we can all get back together again, you know. Yeah. I mean, Yuzi only lives up the road here. I see him about, um, you know, it's fantastic to see the the lads and, uh, you know, just enjoy reminiscing, really. I mean, you know, we haven't seen Igor too much, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's probably uh, probably back home now. Uh, so, so, absolute final question. What happens now? If Bristol Rovers play the Albion, you're not going to be sat there watching? Oh, pre-season, but... yeah, generally. So, so who, who, who do you want to win now? It, it, see, that's an horrible question because <laughs> my, I grew up in Bristol. I mean, I, I went to um, the last ever game at uh, uh, um, the Wembley of the West, we used to call it, Eastfield Stadium, at the, the track running. I remember my dad ripping up the railings, going, me and my brother run on and touch the goalpost. And right? it, that was the last ever game. Um, and we grew up, you know, we used to walk miles to each, you know, to the stadium and back. And, um, and then Albion is, you know, it's 
where my where my home is, where my heart is, you know. So I'd go for a five five draw, <laughs> so that it's nice and exciting for everybody. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> but don't think, don't think Tony Pulis would be involved in that. One. <laughs> so Andy Johnson, what a man! Uh, really, really enjoyed that, and I'd really like to thank him. Um, yeah, I rang him up sort of saying, I've got nothing to offer you, but can you come on and tell your stories? And God, just couldn't wait to tell his stories, really. It does uh, seem like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? You know, you think of, it was 12 years ago, or 13 years ago or so, uh, when Gary Mason was leading Albion to a, you know, a, a promotion. And you know, we all know what followed after that, the great escape and et cetera, et cetera. And Johnson, you know, kind of experienced all of that. Well, that's, that's John, I touched on it now. It's all kind of come around, really, in that, you know, he remembers Gary Mason as this massively divisive, bombastic person that was kind of, you either dealt with, you either live with his... Um, passion and intensity or you were kind of kicked out and he, and he recognised that even Gary Megson has come around full circle now and understood that you, know, you just can't be that kind of person anymore um, yeah, it's, as you said it was a long time ago it was a defining time for Albion but also for football it was a different dressing room as well wasn't it I mean you think of Johnson you think of John Green and as he's touched on already Paul Robinson yeah. Jeff Horsfield Kevin Campbell you know, it was, it was, yeah, well, slightly before perhaps for in terms of great escape. Yeah. But, you know, these kind of players, tight knit, you can imagine it was a dressing room that had, had a lot of fun and, you know, probably quite a lot of mischief. But it was a, a highly spirited one. Yeah, it was, he was just absolutely, he just couldn't talk enough about his time. And actually, and, and, you know, went there to talk to him for 20 minutes, really, about being three cups of tea and talking for kind of uh, <laughs> two hours. Don't ever get him on J- Jason Kumas, he'll, he'll, he'll cheer his off about what a brilliant player he was. Um, anyway, talking about things that are less uh, that are brilliant, let's talk about uh, Huddersfield this, this weekend. So, uh, it's Joe, just the polar opposite, isn't it? <laughs> the current day, I mean, Albion now have expectation on their shoulders. You rewind 12 years ago, for example, when survival would have been a, a real, true achievement, we perhaps take it for granted now. It just feels almost like there's a tide change, you know, in, in that we need to kind of think of the next thing that to aspire to. You know, we've w- almost worn out survival in terms of that being uh, uh, going to satisfy the Albion fan base. But isn't it though? I mean, that's, so that's the thing, let, let me play Jason Mohammed here, you can, you can play Albion fan, isn't it? Um, you know, what, why is it reasonable for Albion fans you know, on mass on social media now to be calling for Tony Pulis? Is that because it feels reasonable? Uh, why is it? I think 12 months ago, just it was around 12 months ago now that Albion beat Leicester and kicked off three or four months of form that I don't think we've witnessed really in the Premier League, in Albion's Premier League era, mm-hmm. where we've been able to knit together, I don't know, what was it, maybe 40, uh, 30 points or so that we got in those, in those four months beating teams comfortably at home, scoring goals, offering loads of a threat from wide, a lot of creativity, relatively solid at the back. Didn't quite keep as many clean sheets as the year before or the year before that. But we were almost sacrificing that to go a bit more gung-ho almost in the final third. And we just seem to have regressed in the last six to nine months. We just seem to have gone backwards. Incidentally, in the squad has probably, on the whole, Probably improved yeah. in that time. Uh, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of Albion fans would accept that. Well, I've been a vocal. Um, uh, I, I've been vocally um, up for Tony Pulis for quite a long time now because um, I feel I've always felt like when it comes to it, when he leaves, 
the odds of relegation are going to fall down and very quickly that kind of Alan and the mind mentality of right, well we just pray for some form of pragmatism now will return but I think the weekend was a bit of a turning point for me I think that was the clearest indication yet that the Albion fan base uh, almost had just a common uh, opinion of it uh, certainly the fans that were there mm-hmm. and the fans of, on social media in, in situations like this with Albion with a run the run you're not going to hear too much of the Albion fan base that are pro us it's going to be totally the opposite way but despite that I still think it's now becoming more of a anti pewis than you know split down the middle certainly on social media that's evident um, and one would think that um, uh, that given the response of the crowd on the weekend that's probably um, replicated there yeah. I don't think Albion fans are unreasonable you know we're not expecting a Leicester City repeat or even you know a top 10 finish I don't think I think Albion fans would take 12th place and 45 points a season if it meant playing football that had an, an intent to it or even just just enjoying going to games just again. a bit of ambition yeah, yeah just enjoying the just enjoying the game thinking wow actually do you know what I came away from that thing that was actually not a bad game and uh, Albion's style of play is you know is of a good standard well this is something that we're going to be continuing to return to uh, on uh, and Corner um, next next time round we have uh, the journalist who knows Tony Pulis better than anyone else so we'll be asking him questions about it we'll also look at our biggest disappointments of the season so far and um, We've got some phenomenal guests called up. I really don't want to give them away, but you just wait to see who's who's coming. Who's I'm, looking for, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be so good. It's going to be brilliant. So, uh, so keep doing. Thanks for joining us the first time, uh, and on to next time at Wooden Corner. Thank you. Thank you.